Let us turn in our Bibles or bulletins to John chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. This is the Word of God. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he hath never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching, my teaching is no mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks in his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has no Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision. Know that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken? <clears throat> Are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you, knowing, Lord, that the only way we can read these words and trust that they are coming from you and believe in them is through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We know, Lord, that it is the Holy Spirit who goes deep into our hearts and apply them to our lives. So we pray that you might help us as we consider these verses to, meet, to be ministered by them, to be ministered by your word as we meditate in your word. And then as we meditate in your word, that you prepare our hearts also to partake together of the Lord's Supper. We thank you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When do you acknowledge a person's authority? When do you acknowledge that a person has authority to tell you something and you will follow that instruction. I think that this question will be answered by different people in different ways, and different cultures acknowledge authority in different ways. For example, some cultures will acknowledge that a person who is older has greater authority. In fact, when they will see each other, they will bow down to each other or to the person who is older acknowledging that that person has authority. Or 
you will see your grandparents or people who are elderly and you will want to listen to them and you will respect them and respect what they have to tell you. But no, every culture does the same thing, right? Some cultures also acknowledge people who have money. They are wealthy, they ride in a fancy car and they have a big house and they will think that this person has authority because they have some financial means. Other cultures will acknowledge the authority of somebody who has studied hard, who has gone through uh, college, master, PhD, postdoc, and they have knowledge. Therefore, they will acknowledge that that person has authority to say this is right, this is wrong, this is what you should do or you should not do because they have study enough to um, tell you what you should do. <clears throat> Maybe in our time and in our cultures, uh, not so much. Probably the person that study hard doesn't have as much authority as an influencer who probably know nothing about many things, but is good at managing social media and knowing how to reach out to the young generation and tell them what they should do even though they don't know what to do. Anyway, people acknowledge authority in different cultures and different circumstances in different ways. What we are seeing here right now is a conversation between Jesus and a group of people who probably didn't think that he has enough authority to tell them what to do because in their minds they did not, he didn't have the credentials to tell them things that they should do or should not do. And we have seen through the book of John that some people have acknowledged Jesus as a good teacher. Some people have acknowledged Jesus as a miracle worker, but some people have abandoned him as soon as he started to preach something that they didn't want to hear. So we're going to be looking at these verses that tells us about Jesus' authority to tell us what to do. And the first thing that I like us to see from these verses is the source of Jesus' authority. The source of Jesus' authority. Where that authority is coming from. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple. So what is the context of these first few words that we read here? Because he's telling you about the middle of this feast. And if you haven't read previous verses, you may wonder what feast is John talking about? So we know that Jesus has its stay in Galilee for some time because he knew that the religious leaders in Jerusalem wanted to kill him. They wanted to get rid of Jesus because Jesus was preaching a message that they did not welcome. They were confronted by Jesus' words. In fact, Jesus told his brothers, brothers that the world hate him because he confronted sin in the world. So Jesus decided to stay for some time in Galilee, and we know that the Feast of the Tabernacles was about to happen, was at hand, and Jesus' brothers came to Jesus and encouraged him to go to Jerusalem because if he 
will go to Jerusalem, he will have an opportunity to show everybody his power. Many people will gather together in this festivity, and Jesus, if Jesus will perform miraculous signs, they thought people will start to follow him again. Why? Because as we read from chapter 6, people abandoned Jesus. People were following Jesus because they saw Jesus' signs on the sick, but people abandoned Jesus as soon as Jesus started to talk about eating his flesh, drinking his blood, coming down from heaven, and all these things that were too hard for people to take. Even his disciples were maybe tempted, and Jesus asked them, where do you want to go with them? And, and Peter answered, where shall we go? Only you have words of eternal life. Then Jesus told his brothers that he will not go, his blood brothers, that he will not go to Jerusalem at the time they wanted him to go, to go because John tells us that Jesus' brothers did not believe in Jesus. Therefore, they didn't want him to go to Jerusalem to, to regain disciples in order to save them, but they wanted him to go to Jerusalem to perform miracles. They didn't believe in Jesus as the Savior. They didn't believe in Jesus as the one who came to save us from our sins. They believe in a Jesus that will only provide for them miracles, food, healing. Then Jesus said, I am not going with you. I have my own time. And then he decided from previous verses to go later, but no in public, but in secret. He didn't go there to do a sign so people would come to him, but he went there in secret. He didn't let his brothers to manage his ministry. He was not going to Jerusalem, at least at this moment, yet to die on the cross. He will go in the following feast, the Passover feast. But at this moment, he will go there to continue his preaching ministry. So Jesus goes about the middle of the feast. So he didn't go at the beginning of the feast, but about in the middle of the feast. And he goes there and he starts to teach at the temple. He started to teach at the temple. And you, by remembering what he taught in chapter 6, will kind of guess what Jesus was teaching to them as well. He will use the scriptures, the word of God. He will open the scriptures and he will interpret the scriptures to the people at the temple. And what is the response of people? People marvel, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? How is it that Jesus is able to open the scriptures and speak the way he speaks? If we haven't seen him as one of Gamaliel or the other rabbis, student, he has not gone through Paul's schools of teaching. Therefore, they were wondering, where is that knowledge coming from? But from the test, we know that this is not just a naive question or a question that they were wondering, wow, it is great that he can teach this way. Where did he learn this? But it is more a question that was challenging Jesus' credentials, Jesus' authority. 
They didn't see Jesus with respect, with respect. I would say for two reasons. Why? Because one, because he didn't have, first of all, the credentials. He didn't go to the schools that they were expecting a rabbi who will open the scriptures in the temple, will go in order to teach. And also that his message was a message that was confronting sin. It was confronting the sinful world. And people didn't want to hear that. So, Jesus, knowing what they were talking about, knowing that they were asking this question, where did this man get the authority or the knowledge to speak this way? He says to them, my teaching is no mine, but it is, but his who sent me. My teaching is no mine, but his who sent me. Think for a moment on that answer. Yes, Jesus is saying that his teaching is not his own teaching, but comes from the one who sent him. That is a teaching that comes from above. That is a teaching that comes from God. He's saying that to them. And in a sense, you will say, well, the teaching of the religious leaders is also coming from the scriptures. But what Jesus is saying is that my, te- my teaching is coming directly from him who sent me. It's my teaching is coming from, not from another rabbi who taught me the scriptures, but I'm coming with this teaching from the place where I'm coming. And we have seen this before. Jesus is saying, I am the one who have come down from heaven. No one have come down home from heaven except me. I am the one who has come down from heaven. But beside saying that his teaching is not his own teaching, but a teaching that comes from God, that is a teaching that comes from above, he's also telling the crowd, the people there at the temple, that his teaching is above all. It's not just that his teaching is coming from above, but his teaching is above all. What will the religious leaders do when they will teach? I confess, when I read this, I felt like, wow, this is something like I do. They will quote other teachers and other rabbis in order to give strength to their point. And there is nothing wrong with that, to read in commentaries and quote from somebody who has studied that particular passage, an interesting or a, a deep thought that wants, we want to highlight and share. But guess what? Jesus did not need to quote anybody. Why? Because he himself revealed the scriptures. He is the author of the scriptures. And as the author of the scriptures, he is the perfect person to explain the scriptures to the crowd. His teaching was from above. His teaching was above any one of the religious leaders that were at that temple at that moment. And you know that people were saying that he teaches as one who has authority. 
when they do that, they are comparing Jesus with the others who are teaching as some who has no authority. People could hear in the way Jesus was speaking that he has the authority to say things in a way that no one else could say. Why? Because he's God. Because he knew the scriptures very well. Because he reveals the scripture throughout generations. Because he knew the real meaning of the things that the rabbis were trying to explain. You know that often uh, a pastor or a preacher will say, well, there is this position, this position, and this position. And I at least feel more comfortable with this one. And when we say more comfortable, we are not saying completely comfortable because we are seeing a good thing in the other positions. So it's like at the end, one day we might end asking God, Jesus, what this really mean? Jesus didn't have to have those questions. There were no different views for Jesus. And that's how Jesus is teaching to them. He's not only saying that his message is from above, but his message is above all. Now think for a moment. You were there in that temple when Jesus is teaching. You are hearing things that you have never heard or saying things in a way you have never heard. You are hearing things that are coming directly from God because Jesus is God. Jesus is teaching these things. You will say that Jesus will have all the arguments, rational arguments and understanding to explain things in a way that people will be without more questions. Or people will not question Jesus because Jesus is actually explaining things in a way that he has, he's proving to people better than any apologist. Right? You will think that the natural response to somebody like Jesus is that people will be convicted and will say, Amen. I believe that. There is no doubt in my mind. Finally, I got it. Finally, somebody taught me this in a way that I can understand this. Yes, certainly Jesus' message was perfect. Right? And yet, people still question his message. People still struggle believing in Jesus' words. Even though his message will leave no questions because his message was perfect. And that is why Jesus goes to explain who actually will accept his authority and who will not accept his authority. Because, because it's not through rational arguments that people come to faith in Jesus. Anybody who is a really smart uh, preacher will think that, yes, I can convince anybody, not even Jesus, unless there was something that God will do in that person's heart. And then that moves us to the will to embrace Jesus' authority. The will to embrace Jesus' authority. Verse 17 says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, 
he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. So Jesus here is not talking about the message, but about the individual and how the individual embrace Jesus' message. It is known that the message changes. It is the same message. Jesus is revealing God's word to the crowd. Jesus reveals the gospel to people. We hear the gospel. But welcoming the gospel and acknowledging the messenger as one who has authority to say these things depends on the will. He said, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know the will. Now, is Jesus saying that, okay, there is free will and some people choose to believe and therefore believe and others don't? Well, that will be against what he has taught before, that only those that are brought by the Father are the ones who will believe in him, or what he taught Nicodemus, that you need to be born again in order to see the kingdom of God, in order to enter the kingdom of God. First of all, a person has to be alive to have will, right? If there is a death body, a dead body in front of you, the dead body would not have will to do this or that because it's dead. And we learned in Ephesians chapter 2 from Paul that we were all dead in our sins and trespasses. And we have, made, we have been made alive together with Christ. When that miracle happened, which is regeneration, which is new birth, the one that Jesus told Nicodemus in people's heart, that person will have the will to do God's will. Because that person is empowered by God to do God's will. And if a person's will is to do God's will, he will see when he hears Jesus, he will hear Jesus, and he will hear pure authority there. He will know that Jesus' teaching is coming from God. And whether Jesus' teaching is is in God's authority or in the view of people, when he says, my own authority is how people will see Jesus just as the son of Joseph, Mary and Joseph, his own authority. So the will to embrace or what determines that a person will embrace Jesus' authority is that God empowers that person in his will to do God's will. And as a result of that, when he hears Jesus, he believes and he judges that this is a teaching that comes from God. And this is not something new. Jesus has been saying that throughout the first chapters of John. Only those who are empowered by God hear his message and believe. Jesus told his disciples, do you want to go? And Peter says, where shall I go? Only you have words of eternal life. And then you will say, wow, Peter, good job. 
No, Jesus said, actually, I choose you, the 12. That's why you can say only you has words of eternal life. Third, then what is Jesus' authority? What is the goal of Jesus' authority? What will be the end of Jesus' authority? Verse 18. The one who speaks of his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. We learned from previous verses that people enjoy praising one another. And people enjoy being praised and praise others. Right? But what is Jesus saying here that when he's speaking, that a person that is speaking is his own authority, that person is seeking his own glory. But Jesus here is coming to seek the glory of him who sent him, which is the Father. Now, I think what is tricky for us is that Jesus is God, and therefore Jesus deserved all glory. Right? But Jesus here is also talking about the fact that he is a human being. Often, when I was uh, little, and during Easter time, uh, back in Colombia, you will watch in um, TV uh, Bible movies. Moses and Jesus and all these Bible stories. And I remember watching Jesus' movie, and little, when I was little, I always had that feeling that I didn't want the movie to end as it ended. I always felt tempted in my mind thinking, I really want Jesus to go and destroy all these people and come down from the cross and prove to them that he is God, that he won't go and die because at least they are going to be doubting for three days, thinking that they won't. Thanks God that that is not the way the real story finished. Because we know that Jesus was seeking to glorify the Father. And in order to glorify the Father, he had to go to the cross as a human and endure the suffering of the cross and the great humiliation, the, the humiliation of Christ, it starts with Jesus' incarnation. And in all this, Jesus is giving to God all glory. People, when they ask that question, where does this man get this learning they are thinking that he doesn't have the credentials. We cannot praise a man like him. And Jesus is telling them, I'm here to give glory to the one who deserves the glory. The one you should be giving all glory, not to men, is to God. The one who seeks his own glory, the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And there is no falsehood in him. Now, from the last verses, I want us to look at this, which is the blind spot of those who don't believe in Jesus' authority. And what Jesus does is Jesus gives to this crowd 
to this group of people two examples that shows how they have failed to acknowledge God's authority and how by failing to acknowledge God's authority is connected with their failure to acknowledge Jesus' authority. The first one is this. Verse 19, has no Moses given you the Lord yet? No one of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? Why is Jesus saying this here? Some people have thought that even these verses are not, should not be part of this section. But I think it's so clear that what Jesus is telling them is, you say you believe in the law that was given from God to you, and still you want to murder an innocent man. By doing that, you are breaking the law. Your intention is to kill me. And that's why Jesus stayed in Galilee for some time, because he knew that the religious leaders wanted to kill him. So Jesus is proving to them and proving to the people that were around them that they were ready to break the law when they wanted to kill Jesus. What is their answer? You have a demon who is seeking to kill you. What they were saying, in other words, you are crazy. Nobody here is seeking to kill you. And when they were doing that, they were also lying because they were seeking to kill Jesus. So by doing that, they were breaking again the law of God. Think for a moment. Did they think that they were actually breaking the law by, think, by attempting to kill Jesus? Probably they thought that they were not, kill, they were not breaking the law. But that's why he's saying it's a blind spot. They think that they are respecting and acknowledging God's authority, but they are ready, ready to break God's law, which proves that they don't acknowledge God's authority. Then here is the second example. Moses gave you circumcision. Know that it is from Moses, but it is from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? If they have a child who was eight days old, and that day was the Sabbath day, because they didn't want to break that law, which is that the child should be circumcised at the eighth day of all, they were ready. In their minds, they were not breaking the Sabbath because they were doing God's law. They were ready to circumcise the child, even if it was on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is saying, I made a man's whole body well, which is, which is an example of what circumcision represented, which is regeneration, which is representing the heart being cleansed, representing what is in the future a good thing that God does for his people. 
And Jesus made a man's whole body well. And they were ready to accuse Jesus of breaking the Sabbath. Do you see how that example is also a demonstration that they, these people, when they say that they acknowledge God's law that is coming from God and God's authority, they were ready, for, ready to accuse Jesus when Jesus actually was doing a good thing on the same day that was established by God as the Sabbath day. When do you acknowledge a person's authority? That's a question. Now, when do you acknowledge Jesus' authority in your life? If you hear Jesus' message, if you hear Jesus' challenge to you, how he opens his ministry in Mark 1.15, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. If the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, the Holy Spirit is going to move you to hear Jesus' voice and to repent and to trust in Jesus. What's the gospel? The good news that Jesus has come, came to offer you salvation. That's my prayer. My prayer for you is if you hear Jesus, that God will work in your heart, that your will will be to do God's will. And if your will is to do God's will, you will hear Jesus and know that he has authority to save you. But if you are safe, if you are already a Christian, it's because you have already trusted in Jesus. We have to remember that Jesus has authority and has the authority to lead our lives. That we come back to Jesus, that we come back to the gospel, that we come back to the word of God, the words of Jesus, and we hear them as voice of God, as the voice of God, as voice with authority to lead our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not left us alone to hear Jesus' words and believe in them as dead people, but that you have, in your grace and mercy, empowered us through the power of the Holy Spirit to hear Jesus' voice and acknowledge that he has authority, that his authority comes from you, the Father. May you help us, Lord, to hear his voice as we read your word. We also pray, Lord, that as we meditate in this sacrament, that you may nourish our souls and help us to remember. And as we remember, to understand more the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verses uh, 27 and 28. 
Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, so eat the bread and drink the cup. What is to drink the cup and eat the bread in a worthy manner? It is to discern who Christ is. It is to know that Christ is the Savior, that Christ has given his life for you and me. It is to trust in Jesus for salvation. It is to acknowledge that you are a sinner and that on your own you cannot be saved. And that only through the blood of Jesus you can be saved. It is to understand that Jesus is God. And that there is no hope outside of him. That we don't have somewhere else to go without Jesus. That is what is to eat and drink. The bread and the wine in a worthy manner. And the external sign that this faith is in your heart if that you have been baptized. It's the sign of the sacrament of baptism and evidence for the church and for others that you have trusted in Jesus for salvation. Therefore, it is important when we come together to partake of the Lord's Supper that we are clear in that we have trusted in Jesus for salvation, that he is our Savior. And if you have not yet trusted in Jesus for salvation, we encourage you not to take these elements, but use this time to meditate on what Christ has done for you. We do this in remembrance, which is remembering. Remembering that Christ died, and then when Christ, when Christ died, through faith we die with Jesus on the cross. We remember also that he came back from the dead, that he resurrected. And in his resurrection, we were also raised with Jesus. And we announced together that Jesus will come again to save us. So let us prepare our hearts. Let me pray for us before we partake. Heavenly Father, we pray that you give us um, great nourishment as we partake of these elements together. We know that they are nourishment for our souls, that they are a participation, a koinonia with our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you may prepare our hearts for taking communion together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.